Hello and welcome back to the Arsenal Therapy Podcast. My name is Farhan, also known as Gunner since 96. And joining me here tonight to discuss Arsenal's very significant victory um, at Stamford Bridge is James Payne. James, how are you doing this evening? Hello again. Oh, I'm doing absolutely fantastic, Farhan. How are you? Very, very good. Um, Obviously, at the time of recording, it is Sunday evening. The game kicked off about seven hours ago. So the excitement and, you know, the raw emotions have faded a very little bit, but um, hopefully, 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 you know, throughout this episode where we get to remind ourselves of the performance, the result, um, and just the whole, you know, occasion being at Stamford Bridge, which is officially now, by the way, um, our second ground because we, we practically own that stadium. Um, so yeah, I'm feeling really, really good. Um, I'm really, yeah. really looking forward to, you know, the next two games because we've got that Chelsea game out of the way. We're back on top, um, you know, ready to take on the world. And finally, finally, I feel like that victory has um, put us in that conversation. Put us in. It's taken us from the casual conversation to now the serious conversation of potentially becoming title contenders. Oh God! Oh God! <laughs> so some of us are still a little bit reluctant to, you know, start that discourse. But yeah, I think with them. Look, I'd love to. I'd love to. Say, I'd love to say and sit here right now that we're we're going to win the league and we could win the league. But I've, you know, I've, I, yeah, you know, Arsenal have been in this position before. Arsenal have been in this position before, top of the league, uh, you know, by a big margin at some points uh, in previous seasons gone by, absolutely bottled it. So at the minute, I'm just keeping my cool and enjoy it. Just enjoying the ride, man. is is absolutely brilliant. Arteta and Arsenal are doing some wonderful things. Even the, even I have to give some recognition. Even the the Arsenal women are top of the top of the WSL right now. So Arsenal was a oh Arsenal was a whole sort of you know brand are doing really really well. <coughs> Excuse me, um, but yeah, it's it's brilliant. It's brilliant to see. And just before just before uh, we continue, uh, Abamyang. Nothing personal, mate. Oh, That's dear. The Nothing moment I saw that BT Sport ad, I just knew this was going to go horribly wrong for him. <laughs> it was it was so weirdly, like, devised. Like, whoever directed that ad needs to have a real word of themselves. Must be a really sour either Chelsea fan or a Spurs fan because the way that was set up, it was only going one way. Uh, there's just no need for that, to be honest. It was good, good promo. I have to be honest, very good promo. But you could clearly tell the Aubameyang versus Arteta um, sort of uh, narrative was plastered all over that. But um, I do, I have to, I have to be honest. I do feel a little bit sorry for him. Um, you could see the look on his face whilst he was on sitting on the bench that he knew. 
that was coming. Yeah, he knows. And he knows. He also knew that he doesn't really want to be playing for Chelsea and he misses that red and white shirt so, so badly. Obviously, that's all speculations. <laughs> exactly. But it, just from the look of his face, I do genuinely think, um, you know, he was he was reminiscing the good old days playing at Wembley Stadium, um, <laughs> lifting that FA Cup trophy, having scored against uh, the Blues, Frank Lampard's you know Chelsea. What? You know what? Thinking back on it now, is it, 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 it's... I find it quite silly, um, the whole sort of Aubameyang exit. Because if you think about it, isn't it wasn't that big of a deal? To be fair, uh, probably could have been probably could have been sorted out, but Aubameyang just didn't want to. Well, that's and the thing, right? Yeah. The, the 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 funny part of this whole situation is that it wasn't a big deal. The fact that this had nothing to do between him and fans, it wasn't a falling out between him and the club. It was a falling out between him and Arteta. Arteta wanted one thing. He wanted another thing. At the end of the day, up until this point anyway, Arteta has been proven right because we're top of the league. We've been winning football matches. We've brought in a striker that has revolutionised us in the final third, doing things that Aubameyang couldn't do or, you know, uh, at least was refusing to do. So, yeah, I, I, I think I think it's time that we just move past this. And I think, I think, Aubameyang just needs to take a massive slice of humble pie, eat it, get paid, and you know, r- enjoy the remainder of his career. You know, however many mm. years that's left, um, score a few goals, maybe win a trophy here and there, and that's it. Keep it moving, you know. Because we, yeah, we're we're on our own trajectory right now, and it's only up. It's only looking up. So you know, and isn't not- isn't it nice, right, to be? like sitting back on a Sunday afternoon and just enjoying games of football because in previous yeah. seasons, and actually I haven't felt this. I don't think I've ever felt this actually to, to, to have my team first in the league and to be watching rival clubs as just a football fan, because in previous mm-hmm. seasons I was, I would watch football. I would watch um, rival clubs play and have an agenda. Like, you know, we want Spurs to lose. We want United to lose. You know, we want Liverpool to lose and the rest of it. But yeah. now I just don't care. I just don't care if Spurs yeah. pick up three points. When Harry Kane scored, I just didn't care. Oh, this makes <laughs> this, this makes for a really good game of football. That's what I was thinking. You know, when United yeah. were 2-1 down um, or and then, sorry, 2-0 down and then lost 3-1, didn't really care. You know, when Man City came back 2-1, I fucking cared. <laughs> yeah, because that's, um, that's, who, that's who our main rivals are, City. It. We're... we're we're with the big boys now, Fahad, yeah? You know, we're, 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 we're uh, mingling in the top table and, um, you know, City is our main rival and, and, and it, you know, I, I, I totally agree with you. It's nice just to sit back and I watched the Newcastle game today and it was nice to just see them continuously beat teams. What a good team, um, right? Newcastle are the, are the dark horses to look out for. Yes. Um, and I do genuinely Newcastle believe that they will, they will finish top four. By the way, this area is fucking rocking. But uh, Newcastle is, is such a, a a brilliant place to be right now because all they're talking about is is Newcastle and Newcastle United and how they how they're like in the position they are. It's it's ridiculous. But um, <clears throat> yeah. But in terms of us, absolutely absolutely superb. Um, couldn't yeah. have asked for a better game. Yeah, and look, we're going to talk all about it. We're going to talk about the performance, key moments in the game, individual uh, performances, all of that good stuff. Um, but before we move on to that, um, James, how's the how's how's the new addition to the family doing? Oh, that was the new. Oh, he's great. He is absolutely fantastic. I couldn't I couldn't have asked for 
a better weekend. Um, he's a little cutie, isn't he? Yeah, he's he's absolutely he's brilliant. He's a he's a bit of a I can tell you he's a bit of a biter. He started biting. He's he's basically discovered he's had he's got teeth now. <laughs> so he he just bites everybody. But okay. he he's, he he has a heart of gold. So he's he's brilliant. For those of you that don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about James's new dog. Um, name yeah. Loki, right? Loki, yeah, Loki the pug, yeah. Great name, um, yeah, really cute as well. Yeah, he, he's he's great. I'm so I'm so glad we we have we have him now because it's been a, a few weeks. Uh, I went and visited him the other day, uh, like a few weeks ago. Yeah, and then yesterday uh, I brought him home, and he's now a new addition to the family. So it is it is brilliant. Um, it just it, this weekend's just been brilliant. Arsenal winning and then Loki coming has just been great. Only a matter um, of time before he starts interrupting the podcast, right? Yeah, oh, we, oh, we will do. He will, he will come in here and interrupt the podcast. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, also, I've already got his Christmas present lined up. It's an Arsenal shirt. So, oh, um, nice. He'll enjoy that. Brilliant. Yeah, he'll enjoy that. He's an Arsenal fan, of course. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just so nice for us to to get the result today. Uh, yeah, because sure. it's it's Chelsea. You want to you want to you want to beat Chelsea. And after that, after that BT Sport promo, it's just, yeah, you know, I really. You really want to you really want to beat them ten times, uh, ten times more. Well, I've been watching Chelsea um, closely in the in the last few weeks. Uh, I watched them against Spurs, I think, um, and I watched them against United. I watched a bit of them in the Champions League, and I, I enjoy watching Chelsea because it it's nice to see a team regress so badly, um, <laughs> and even with the addition of Potter's, um, they they just don't. They are not catching up with the times and I've been looking forward to this game a lot because I know how much more superior we are um, as a footballing side than Chelsea. Chelsea with Azpilicueta, Thiago Silva, Jorginho, Sterling, and Aubameyang are a side that's three years too late, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, they've, They've made the wrong acquisitions. In my opinion, and we saw that they've been ex- they were exposed. I mean, had it if they haven't if they hadn't been exposed in the last few games against some of the other big six sides, they definitely were today. Um, and so I don't even need to look at their starting lineup because I don't think Graham Potter's is quite. I don't think he's quite figured out what is you know strongest starting eleven is or. Uh, the 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 system that he wants to play in. Um, Arsenal, on the other hand, though, we had a familiar face return to the pitch, um, so that was a big shocker for me in terms of you know the starting lineup. Zinchenko at left back. I was very much. I have to tell you, I was very much looking forward to seeing Kieran on the team sheet um, after an incredible performance against Zurich. Um, and we didn't record a podcast for that episode. We thought we'd leave that one. Um, but again, another really important victory because it means that we don't need to play that playoff game. Go straight into February with uh, into the last sixteen, which is which is so refreshing. Actually, one of the things that I used to hate about the Europa League was the fact that they had that stupid round of thirty-two. But they've gotten uh, well, kind of semi gotten rid of that. And um, Arsenal now find themselves in the final 16, which is great. Uh, not the best performance, once again. But um, Tierney 
I I feel like was the 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 man of the match. Um, you know, explosive performance back back at his best, and I was very much expecting him to take that place on the left hand side. Maybe Arteta didn't want to risk it. Who knows? Um, but against a side like Chelsea in a in an environment, um, you know, I'm not saying Stamford Bridge is a scary place, but Playing Chelsea anywhere is a, is, a, is a big, big sort of. It's a big event, right? So yeah, um, yeah. What did you think of uh, Zinchenko's return? Imminent, imminent uh, return because we usually expect players to come back on the bench and then come off the bench, right, to get their first few minutes yeah. before being started. Um, I think what what you can notice with Arteta now is he he really really wants to put his best team out there. You know the one that served him so well throughout the throughout the season, the start of the season, which does include Zinchenko. So I just think he was back, he was fit enough. So why not throw him back in there? You know, it's it's the sort of might not might not be the, the right thing to do because obviously Tierney did have that great performance in in midweek. But the only the only thing I can think of is that Arteta just wanted to make sure he could win this game. And have the best possible lineup to win the game, um, which is obviously our normal sort of standard lineup these days. Um, but Tini did come on in, in the second half, and he got he did 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 get around a bit. So um, not not too, you know, <coughs> he wasn't completely forgotten about. Um, but it was good to see Zin, Zin, uh, Zinchenko back. So hopefully uh, he can stay on the team a lot a lot longer now. Who do you prefer um, out of the two? Who would Zinchenko. you have started? Really, you, you would have started Zinchenko? Yep, I would have. Uh, I personally believe Tierney won't be here for much longer. Wow, really? Uh, no. Why is that? I don't. I don't think so. Because he he's not really a he's not really a bench player, is he? He's, he, he you know, mm. he's, he's not. Obviously... You're right. He's not. And I guess it, it's it would be a real shame if Arsenal decided. To, or if, if a team decided to cash in on him um, with a ridiculous offer of about 50, 60 mil, because I don't see him going for any less. Um, but you have to remember as well that he's playing um, for a side who is now at the very <coughs> peak end of like developmental progress. Um, so, you know, we're not a side where you look at the bench and you see players like Socrates or... Um, even you know if it's if it's players like Ainsley Maitland Niles, like we have made recruitments in the right places to boost competition. Surely he mm. will recognize that. And if it is the case that he wants to play first team football, then unfortunately he's going to have to take a step down. Maybe play for a team like um, I don't know. I don't know why I why I always associate seeing um, Tierney play for Villa, but maybe it might be someone like Villa. But he's again he's too he's too good for Villa. Maybe it's a Newcastle. You know, mm-hmm. um, but yeah. I, I, I definitely hope that we figure out a way to give him more game time. Because if you if you were to ask me, I'd say I prefer Tierney. Um, defensively, more uh, reliable, defensively, more capable. And I love how um, direct he is. But on the mm-hmm. flip side, you've got Zinchenko, who's just excellent at um, playing the game tactically you know, knowing when to um, cut in and play that advanced sort of defensive midfield role. Uh, defensively, not great, but can do a job. 
but just technically, he's just brilliant. So it's it's such a good problem to have those two on the left hand side. It just yeah. because both of them give you everything you need in a in a left back. Like I don't think there is a single left back in the world that offer what Zinchenko and Tierney do as as like a um, you know as one as one player. So. Anyway, I don't think we need to talk about um, Tini leaving just yet because if it does happen, maybe the summer transfer window is something we, we keep an eye on. But um, aside from Sinchenko on the left, was there any other surprises or did you expect to see some more changes? Um, no, I, so, so I, I expect the, the same lineup now. Um, I think it's... Sometimes I don't even look because I know what it's going to be. And I didn't, I didn't look for a long time today because, you know... I can I can kind of expect what lineup it's going to be. You know, there's no, there's not going to be any major changes to what we've become used to so far, and um, I think you know it was the right team to go with. Uh, I think the, the Zinchenko one is is purely because you know I think he trusts Zinchenko more than he does Tierney due to that connection they already had at City. Um, you know he he trusts those players. You know he's not gonna not trust those players because they're they're personally picked by him to come into the club. So, mm. um, you know, whereas Tierney is an Emery signing uh, way back when. <laughs> but yeah, um, it, the the lineup for me is it was a, a good enough lineup. You know, I, I expect to see that lineup pretty much every week now if it's. Well, there's only one more week left, isn't there? So another yeah. another week um, of that lineup, and then that's it. We <coughs> won the first half of the season, or yeah, exactly the pre World Cup Premier League trophy. Uh, well, exactly, hopefully. hopefully. So um, go, moving on to the game, um, we know that Chelsea, despite being a bang average side, we know, and I look, I say that with the utmost respect, and and me speaking on about teams on this podcast, I I, I understand and I realize the position that I'm in right now um, because my club is now elite. Now we are playing in the big leagues with the big teams. So I understand that I have to be a little bit more less sarcastic when I'm talking about rival clubs. But I do say this with the utmost respect um, for Chelsea fans and Chelsea as a football club. Uh, right now they're operating as a bang average team. And, you know, that's, that is the fact of the matter. Um, so despite playing side like Chelsea we do know that they've got players in there who can cause problems most notably uh, in this game anyway it was Mount Havertz at some points and when he came off the bench I felt like Broya and Gallagher looked quite lively uh, Thiago Silva did a really good job for them at the back and actually Kukurea did really well against Saka but um, offensively going forward they were absolutely shocking weren't they um, mm-hmm. and and it felt good to watch Aubameyang play against us because it's everything we were screaming and shouting at him about which was being replicated for Chelsea lack of movement lack of dynamic kind of um, intelligence in the final third just very static not really knowing you know how to um, position himself at the beginning of an attacking move and you, you only needed one centre back against him. You you could have told Saliba to go sit on the bench for you know five ten minutes whilst Gabriel handled Aubameyang. It was it was that poor from him. Um, but yeah, that that opening first ten minutes of the game, as you know, I love 
talking about a lot because it gives me everything that I want to know. We showed Mm -hmm. that we were playing at a very good tempo and that we were going to replicate the performance against Nottingham Forest. There was no nervousness, was there? It was very kind of straightforward. I don't think there is anymore. I don't think I don't think there is against any team anymore. Farhan, I'm being I'm being honest. I genuinely I genuinely believe that that team feels like they can beat anybody. Gen- genuinely, we've beaten Liverpool. Uh, we've beaten Liverpool, Tottenham, and uh, Liverpool, Tottenham, and Chelsea this season. The only the only other freak defeat was against United, and that was a freak defeat because we didn't deserve to lose that. We dominated that and game. And we lost against PSV. We lost against yeah. PSV. Yeah, I mean, uh, aside from the Europa League, but the Premier League has been near enough perfect. Southampton, mm. we, we deserved to drop points because uh, we just weren't good enough. And I guess that's the only game, and maybe Leeds. Leeds and Southampton are the only games where we didn't deserve to get the results. But the United game, we should have got the three points. So when you're looking at, you know, the big teams that we've been playing, quote-unquote big teams... Spurs, Chelsea, United, um, Liverpool. You know, we've 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 excelled in our performance against those sides. So yeah, you're right when you say um, we fear no team. We play with a with a kind of arrogance, you know, and exactly. and and that's what we saw in the first ten minutes because Chelsea were forced into playing lots of fouls, <coughs> you know, mm-hmm. trying to find uh, a way to stop us from cutting through their midfield, and that's what it was for most of it. Um, but a lot of wasteful set pieces as well, which was a little bit annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, and I bet you, I bet you, Aubameyang would have, Aubameyang would have said to, had a word with Graham and said, "Look, this is how Arsenal play, play, you know, play to the, you know, try and he would, he would have, he would have had a word about how Arsenal play and how they played, you know, he spent four four years with us as a player, so he 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 knows, and um, we totally marked him up the game, eight touches. That's that's all, eight touches." Really? So, is that official? He only had eight touches. Yep. yep. Eight and one, touches and one of them was on um, White's ankle. Yep. Eight touches and then he was subbed off. Brilliant. Great. Fantastic. But but they did have um, a few <coughs> opportunities. Like in the first 10 minutes, I remember Sterling racing down the right hand side, uh, placed a nice pass over to Havertz who wasted a cross. Um, and, and, and I guess that was the issue for Chelsea really, wasn't it? There was no cohesion. There was no understanding between one another. It was very... Um, yeah, it's like a broken chain of communication between everyone. No one was 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 playing on the same side. It felt like at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, uh, someone I think we need to talk about um, who in the last few weeks has gone under the radar a little bit, but shone through this game was Benjamin White, yes. who was absolutely immense, put in a um, sterling performance. Pardon pun, and. Mm-hmm. He had a shot in the first 10 minutes, which went just wide. It was a really good effort. Uh, I think Martinelli does quite well because he got away from Chalabar. Jesus, who was playing out wide, played it to White, and his shot was low and wide. Um, so Ben White is, 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 is looking like he's really enjoying his football. And Jesus is also looking like he's enjoying his football, but he's not scoring goals. We had a conversation last week with... Um, James, the other James that was on. Why have I forgotten his name? It's really bad. Um, wow, James, can you help me? Maybe. No, James has disappeared. 
This isn't great. Sorry about that, James. We're back again. I don't know what's happening with these technical difficulties, but we are. There had to be something to ruin today, didn't um, there? There, to... there always is. I don't know. Every week there's something going on with my internet, which I'm too lazy to sort of fix. But <coughs> most importantly, we're here. <coughs> the last thing I said was um, we we had James Benj on last week, and we were having yeah. a conversation about Jesus. Uh, in fact, we all were. And some of us pointed out that Jesus not getting goals isn't an issue because he does everything else that you want a striker to do. So you can either have the Aubameyang-style striker where he'll get you goals, but he doesn't give you any input in the game. So he could be missing for 85 minutes. But that five minutes that he you know, decides to show up, he ends up scoring two or three goals. Um, or, you know, that's, imp- that's ambitious, maybe one or two goals. Jesus, on the other hand, is really struggling to find the back of the net. But his overall football is just so crucial, so important that we can look past it. But what do you think about his um, the places on the pitch that he's taking up space? So sometimes we see him on the left-hand side. Well, most of the time we see him out on the left-hand side. Sometimes he likes to play deep, um, almost as a kind of number eight. And other times you'll find him in the centre-forward position. Um, we can see by now that this is something tactical. Arteta's purposefully asking him to just move around here, there and everywhere so players can, they'll struggle to mark him out of the game. If they're not marking him out of the game, then they're hacking at him to get him out of the game. But uh, up until this point, he seems absolutely fine to play that role. Do you think that in order for us to see him score more, in fact, I'll just ask you like Mm -hmm. the most, you know, blunt kind of way to question this. Um, if that made any sense. But what do yeah. you think is best to do for Jesus? It, do we continue the way that we're doing right now, just playing him here, there, everywhere? Or does he need somewhere permanent where he's just based there and the and the team just feed it to him and get yeah, him to I, score? I think we need to keep him there because I don't know. I don't trust Ian Kessier to go up front in zone. I don't. And, you know, I think... Yes, he's going through a bit of a a purple, or not purple pack, like a, a, a you know a, a, a dry a decrease spell, in form. a dry spell, yeah. But who cares at this point? I'm I'm not you know I I'm not I'm not th- I'm not finishing games going. Oh, where was Jesus? You know, yes, he's a valuable asset to have. But if you have other people score, if you have other people contributing and score scoring goals, then. You know, it might not be the most ideal way to look at it because he is our forty-five billion pound man, and we should be getting some back from him. But it's a collective effort. It shouldn't just be on him to score the goals. You know, mm. it should just be they should be shared out. And you know, Jesus being the player he is, it's kind of nice to see other people score because Jesus is known for his scoring. You know, it's not kind of nice to be shared about. So he's. He isn't constantly being dr- driven to the ground. You know, he can take a little, little bit of a breather some uh, some some games and have a little bit of a, of a walk because he isn't, he isn't you know he doesn't have to be in those positions because we're already tuning up or, or, or other other people contribute. So maybe not. Maybe maybe just stick with him for now. Yeah, no, but I mean, I guess what I was trying to say was that do we do we do we continue to just deploy him where he is or do we play him somewhere? a bit more per- permanent like just stay up front 
stay in between the two centre-backs, look for the runs, get in the box, try and score goals, rather than play deep, play outright, um, collect the ball, feed it across. Do you know what I mean? Like, do we, yeah. what's his best, what, what role suits him the most? Because it seems to me that, and I think I mentioned this to somebody, uh, it was one of my uncles on the group chat <coughs> that we've got, um, that Jesus would make the perfect number 10. Like, he would mm-hmm. be the most brilliant number 10 that the world's seen. Okay, you know, I take things a little bit too far. But the point is that he's got all the qualities you need to be that perfect number 10. But then you would need a number nine in front of him for him to, you know, feed it to or for him to get get in behind, uh, get get that player in behind. Um, because technically he's great. You know, he, he loves to get away from defenders, you know, that 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 kind of shifting move that he does with the ball, which drops his shoulder, um, being able to play those really slick passes that, you know, very kind of dynamic, not Ozil like, not not it doesn't have that much finesse. There's like his 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 kind of passes have a bit of um, crease to it. You know, it's 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 not tidy. It's um, I'm trying to think of the right saying. Um, around the edges, dirty around <laughs> the edges. Is that the way that you say it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. But yeah, it, basically, what I'm saying is. Jesus is playing a role which is he's made it his own you know I don't think there's a single player in the Premier League that does what he's doing in that final third because it's so erratic it's so uh, you know uh, unpredictable you just never know what's going to happen unless you Mm -hmm. take him out you know you're in for you're in for quite a long afternoon Um, but as, as, as good as that is, it is getting a little bit frustrating seeing us in the final third because there is a lack of finesse, I think. Mm-hmm. Anyway, what do you think? I mean, yeah, I can see why. Because there's, there seems to be a lack of, yeah, as you said, finesse and a bit of directness at times when we're in the final third because you want us to get a ball in, but then we're just sort of passing it around and not, you know, really putting much, you know, whip on it or direct direction. But... I think that comes with the territory of the tactics as well. I think that, you know, the boys are are told to go out there and play a certain way and hopefully they're they're playing the way that Arteta wants them to play and it's clear to see it's clear to see that they are. Um but, you know, I just you know, I, I know people have, you know, issues with the team, but as long as we're winning, I wouldn't, you know, I, I get we I get, you know, we get critical sometimes, but I wouldn't, you know, I just enjoy the ride, if I'm honest. <laughs> um, mm. And just, you know, because we know as Arsenal fans, it won't last long. <laughs> well, um, I mean, hopefully, look, that's the real question, isn't it? Like, this is the whole kind of debate right now is, are we seeing something beautiful blossoming in front of us? Something that was being worked on for years or for at least the last three years since Arteta has been here. Um, is this the project that we've been hearing about for so many years? And I think as much as I hate him as a pundit and can't bear to like listen to the voice of Jermaine Genus, um, he was bang on when he said that everything between the boxes has been absolutely perfect for Arsenal, but it's just that yeah. final little bit 
in the box, going into the box. It's that final cutting edge. Um, mm-hmm. And we lacked that last season, but I think we've taken a step further this season by bringing in Jesus because he looks more dangerous. He's more of a p- imposing figure in the box. Like oppositions know to put four or five men behind the ball when someone like Jesus is there. Whereas when you had Lacazette and Aubameyang, teams weren't as afraid. Um, and mm-hmm. they didn't need to be afraid because they were both such poor like number nines. Finishing ability just wasn't there. Jesus is going through a bit of a dry spell right now, but we know he can finish. Um, but yeah, there, there seems to be lacking that little bit of directness in that mm-hmm. final third. Um, because the football that we're playing at the minute, and I saw it in the first 20, 30 minutes of you know the game, the passing, the movement, the fluidity, the you know uh, second sense or the sixth sense of knowing where each other are, one-time passing, turning, moving, just like cutting through Chelsea's whole squad as if they're nothing, as if they're, you know, they're not even there. So pleasing to see on the eye. But then when you get on the edge of the box, it's almost like, right, they've got three or four men behind the ball right now. How do we go past them? We've managed to, we managed to do it, you know, from Ramsdale up until this point, but we kind of can't get through with it right now. I think maybe there is uh, maybe there is just a little bit of mental blockage. I don't know what it is. I'm not sure. Because if you can play the kind of football from Ramsdale up until the edge of the opposition box, then why can't you take it further? Why can't you do it? Why can't you continue? Why can't you continue into the box is my question. Um, in this game, anyway, I felt like maybe there was a lack of a number 10. And... Again, maybe we can take you know uh, a few minutes to talk about uh, Martin Odegaard, but I felt like he was a little bit hidden in this game, and that his abilities weren't seen as clearly as they were seen against um, Nottingham Forest. How did you assess his performance? I mean, Martin has been a bit of hot and cold. I can't lie. Uh, sometimes he's very influential in a game. And then sometimes it just drifts, you know, drifts, drifts a bit behind the, you know, goes into the shadows a little bit and hides behind people. Well, uh, you know, maybe that's not the best line to use. Not hide behind, but, you know, not not be as influential on the game and not be, you know, as prominent. But there are games where he, you know, he does, he has made that pass or that, that, you know, gets us a goal or he has made that run that is, you know, Ended up in in a positive piece of play, so I think it will take him. It will take some time to to find the pinnacle of Martin Odegaard and what you know what his full potential really is. But I think there is really there is really potential there, and hopefully we see it blossom over these next few years. Um, and hopefully uh, he can continue to you know chip in whenever he's needed. Well, I'm not for one second suggesting that Martin Odegaard isn't a decent football player or he's not good enough to be starting what I'm trying to point out or argue is that maybe the style of football that we're currently playing at the minute doesn't quite um doesn't take advantage of the tools that Martin Odegaard has at his disposal if you if you watched the first half you would know that we were playing you know mostly when we were attacking when we were build up when we were building up attacking um scenarios it was going down the flanks it was very rarely there were some occasions where it was going down Bakayo Saka's side but when we realized that Mark Kukurea was you know 
on point, it was pretty much going down Martinelli's side. And so it's difficult to then involve Odegaard because Odegaard is mainly deployed down the right-hand side. But it, it gives, it, you know, there, there were moments in the first half where like Jesus was picking the ball up on the right-hand side and then there was just a gap in the middle of the pitch or in the middle of the box. There's no one there. So maybe that maybe that there is the problem. Maybe the problem is that we don't have a centre forward in the box ready to receive the ball and pounce, ready to split the defence apart. Um, so maybe it is the case that we need Jesus to be playing centre and, you know, getting Shaka to play a little bit more inside um, where Jesus plays that role. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's it's interesting because we've seen so many different sides and angles to the way that we attack against different oppositions. So, you know, against Nottingham Forest, it was very direct. It was very like, you know, uh, almost fearless at times, just um, doing whatever we wanted to because they didn't really pose much of a threat. But when you're playing against someone like Chelsea, you need to bear in mind that on the counter-attack, they are quite a dangerous side they can be especially with Mason Mount and Sterling um and there were occasions where Sterling was you know free to roam down that uh right hand side especially near the end of the second half I mean uh, sorry near the end of the first half aside from the last 10 minutes of the first half they were woeful they were very very frustration frustrated you could see negative attitudes all over the pitch um slowing down the tempo of the game to suit themselves clearly incapable of playing at the pace that we were playing because when they tried to um you know move the ball quickly try to um make one two passes swiftly it never worked out um but the end of the the end of the the the, the first half Havertz and Mount probably you know, and 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 Sterling as well, um, being allowed way too easily to kind of you know enter the box. Um, near the, near the end of this first half, I don't know about you, but I felt like there was a sense of frustration building because we were dominating the game clearly, and just um, dominating, yeah. not getting anything out of it. Did you did you sense a little bit of like? jitteriness or were you were you nervous yourself like what did you think that Chelsea were gonna nick a goal um at the end of the first time I thought Aubameyang was gonna nick a goal um because you know Aubameyang is Aubameyang when he's when he's in a position he will score goals and uh, I didn't want him to get anywhere near that anywhere near it um but yeah I I did sense some sort of you know jitteriness at the end of the sort of uh, near the end of the first half because we were we did have so many chances and we're so dominant, and it's just a, a case of not of not putting them of not getting uh, putting them away. But um, yeah, I think we needed that that half time break to just go back in, reevaluate the situation, and hope for hopefully an improvement in the in the second half, which I think is what what we got in the end. Um, <laughs> we did. We you, you know you saw. Yes, our goal was very very lucky. I think. Um, but it's what you need to win games, and um, we we did it. What what about Chelsea doing the first half? Like, what? Why did you think they were so negative? Because we're used to watching games with Arsenal and Chelsea as being quite high tempo, you know, very end to end almost, and um, dramatic as well. You know, it can get very dramatic because both teams want to win the game so badly. But what what do you think went wrong for Chelsea in that first half? I don't know. Maybe maybe the way of play or. 
you know how how uh, Potter's gotten playing. I see many people on on Tuchel, T- Thomas Tuchel is trending on Twitter, and I see people uh, saying why 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 did we sack Tuchel? Um, you know maybe it's just the way that Potter's got Chelsea playing is not not the right system or or it's just not the right you know fit right now. But you know they have to give Potter time to bring his own style in and hopefully it proves good for them. But today it didn't really work. Yeah, and I guess I guess also you know you make a good point about you know um, the the fact that Potter's has just come in and maybe Arsenal have played Chelsea at the right time um, with Potter still trying to figure out what he's supposed to do with his Chelsea squad and also the fact that they're in a bit of a transition. I mean, Chelsea are always in a bit of a transition, but this is. Yeah. A, a proper transition for them because they're playing a new, brand new kind of style of football injuries as well let's not forget um, you know big big names like Ben Chilwell and uh, Rhys James out <laughs> so there's there's a couple others as well like Kepa um, but uh, that doesn't take away from the fact that you know very very experienced side out there that should have really been a little bit more composed and managed the game a little bit better um i, I just i just don't think that they 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 were able to um handle the pace of the game i think the pace of the game was too quick for them i think the 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 transition in which that we were playing in um being able to get the ball from one one side of the pitch to the other they just couldn't keep up so um yeah going into the second half i was, I was quite confident that something was gonna give in that first half and um something did give because uh, almost immediately you know we were given a free kick um and asking questions saliba almost gave the ball away to Bamiang, but luckily it was blocked um but we didn't have to wait too long until we scored i mean the pressing in the final third wasn't as consistent as it has been in the beginning of the of the, of the season, and that's something that I noticed in the second half. Actually, that at the beginning of the season, Arsenal were at the opponent's heel, no matter where the ball was. So, if it wasn't a defensive half um, of the opposition's box, we would be there with two or three players closing them down, making sure they panic. But again, maybe because it's Chelsea, and you know, um, you don't want to be you don't want to be too naive in that sense. But uh, Thiago Silva loses the ball. Jesus, um, I think he steals the ball away from him and he gets a shot, which is saved by Mendy. And then the corner comes. And it is one of the most unconventional corners that we've taken. In fact, most of the set pieces that we took that game, especially in the first half, were below par. They were very, very poorly taken. And this was another corner kick on another day where we would have been saying a really poorly taken corner because it, it was it could have been easily dealt with. But for some reason, it went through everybody and it was almost on its way to creep into the back of the net. And then Gabriel got his, um, I think he got his right foot or his left foot, one of them, poked it home. And then finally, Arsenal opened the scoreline. Um, good goal, scrappy goal. What kind of goal do you label that as? I mean, a goal. I was gonna, I'm gonna, I was gonna say something there, but I don't want to say it on the podcast because then I'll get absolutely rinsed. No, oh, you know what? It it's, a, it's, a, it's a goal that can win you the league title at the end of it. You know, they they are they are the goals that you need to score. The scrappy ones that can win you the league title. 
You know, I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm not saying that we're gonna win the league or, or anything like that, but they are the type of goals that you just need to scrape you just need to scrape out wins and, and however you score a goal, you know, it, it counts. Um and that was one of them. Um, you know, no way am I no way am I am I coming alone and saying, Oh, Arsenal are gonna win the league. Yes, we might, <laughs> but I I don't wanna I don't want to say anything and be defensive until I see Arteta come out and say we have a good chance of winning the league. Then I don't think I will. Have, I will say we have a good I, chance. I don't think Arteta will. Though. I don't think. I don't, I don't think it's, it's in his nature to make a statement like that. But uh, question to you: At what point can we start talking about when we, when we beat C? When we beat C? When we beat if, C? If we beat C, mm. and if we and if we beat New. Uh, <coughs> And if we get Newcastle, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think those are the two the, the two oppositions who are likely to cause us the most problems. Anyway, before we move on to you know post match um, reaction, let's finish talking about the game. Chelsea make two subs. Havertz mm-hmm. and Aubameyang come off, and actually Aubameyang is a very very lucky man to yep. come off at the back end of the goal because whilst the fans were celebrating the goal, um, I, I I didn't even realize Aubameyang went off the pitch, but I'm I'm sure that he would have been given one hell of a reception you know from the Arsenal fans um in fact I remember very clearly the first touch that he got on the ball the fans were booing him and I was thinking hold on a minute why are we booing him he won us an FA Cup didn't he really He's strange American, yeah it's it really strange kind of um <laughs> situation to, <laughs> to be in look thank you for what thank you for what you did but how you left is completely unacceptable that's it yeah that's- I don't know, man. I don't know whether it is fair to blame him for what happened. I think he just did what he had to he do. He could have stayed. He could have stayed and been like, no, you know but it, would, it wouldn't have been. You know, he would. He wouldn't have benefited from it. And I don't think Arteta wanted him to stay either. You know what he could have done? He could have just said, "You're the boss. You know what you're doing. Exactly. Let me pick up my socks, pull up my socks, and just get on with it and just do the work." So I guess it's some. You instead, know, he threw all his to- instead, he threw all his toys out the pram, flew to Barcelona, and then mm. fucked off. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, uh, Havertz and uh, Bamian came off for Broya and Gallagher. Um, they did come on and they did kind of change the game for Chelsea a little bit. But I felt like after Arsenal scored, we were just in free-flowing mode looking to score more goals. And there was two lovely chances from Bakayo Saka. Um, the first chance, lovely ball into the box from Zinchenko, falls to Saka and he, and he just flies it, puts it over the bar. Great chance to be 2-0. Then there was a second opportunity where he's one-on-one against... Well, it's not really one-on-one. He's, he's put through on goal. Um, and then uh, Mendy comes out. He could easily dink the ball over him, but he fails to do that. And a lot of the football was being played down the right-hand side um, in the second half, if you noticed, in comparison to the first half, where most of the football was being played down the left-hand side with Martinelli. So that was quite interesting. There was another brilliant chance, a counter-attacking move from Arsenal this time with Jesus in the middle of the pitch, walks past Silva, feeds it into Odegaard. And for some, I mean, this guy, you know, we need to, we need to create some um, just giving page or something, or maybe we need to create, um, uh, what do you call it? Those, 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 um, those things that people end up. Mm-hmm. Debating. Yeah, yeah. No, it's not just giving. There's there's something a protest. 
uh, you know the dot gov. Um, oh yeah, the, the the petition. Yeah, <laughs> that's the word. We need to create a petition, right, to get Martin Odegaard to stay an hour behind after training sessions to work on his right foot, because he clearly hates his right foot more than anything in the world. He refuses to take a shot on his right foot That's because of that. That's why I get that. I get that. But you need to you need to have some some confidence. I mean, this opportunity that I'm talking about, where the counter attacking move is brilliant to get it from one side of the pitch to the other. Jesus, you know, dribbling, dancing past the Chelsea defense, slots it into Odegaard. He can, if he wants, to dribble down into the box, take a shot with his right foot. He decides to cut in, and the whole momentum is just killed. Um, but anyway, those are the opportunities after we score the first goal where it looks like, you know, this game is going to be won by at least another one or two more goals. Um, but we didn't see any more goals. And the final 15 minutes of the game was quite nerve wracking. Nerve wracking? Nerve wracking? Nerve wracking. Um, yeah. So plenty of chances created in the final 15 minutes. We were oozing not 15 minutes, in the final, let's say, uh, the, 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 the the 15, the 10 minutes, before the 80th minute, um, we were oozing with confidence, you know, boxing Chelsea in in their own half. Totally dominant. Uh, we make some changes. So Tierney comes on for Zinchenko. Great change. Chelsea then bring on Kovacic and Pulisic for Loftus-Cheek and Mount. There should have been a ham- there should have been a penalty, right? Because Kukurea handled the ball. VAR check, nothing is given. And then Chelsea start to build. They start to kind of intensify, um, you know, taking a little bit more risks, piling men into the box. And um, we do incredibly well with Gabriel, Saliba and Ben White. Um, Saliba ended up getting man of the match. Who, Who was your man of the match? Um, Saliba, I think. I think Saliba is absolutely fantastic. Um, ever since he's come into this squad, is he's he's fought for every ball. He's you know scored a few goals. Has an absolutely brilliant finish uh, on him. Um, and yeah, today was just brilliant. Uh, ben White would be a close second, and maybe I don't know. Um, Gabriel, the goal scorer, probably. Would be my third choice, but um, yeah, it would have to be really Saliba. I, I think it's really unfair that Saliba plays every game because he just steals the show every single week. And actually, having him in my fantasy team a few <coughs> weeks earlier, in fact, at the beginning of the season, would have done me a lot of good um, mm-hmm. because he is top performing. Like, I, 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 I don't think I've. I don't know if I've watched a defender play as comfortably as he does. And Mm -hmm. because most defenders, most centre-backs, they are spoken highly because of the way they defend. And the way most defenders, most top defenders defend is they will will give you brute aggression and just um, like physical prowess, you know? Whereas Saliba, on the other hand, just makes everything look so effortless. Makes it look like defending is a piece of cake. Like anyone against him is 
bang average. And, you know, there are there were moments um, in the game where the camera was panning to him after he had put in a tackle or after he had put in a clearance. And you can see him breathing really heavy and really hard. like, And you wouldn't be able to tell that, you know, he's putting in so much effort because the way he sprints, the way he glides across the pitch, the way he positions himself, his headers, man marking abilities, putting his foot in for that last ditch tackle is done so gracefully. I think that's the right word. Gracefully yeah. is the right word. And, and it's such a, an uncommon word to use to, to describe a defender, right? Gracefully are words that you would associate with a number 10 or a number eight or a winger. Or a centre forward, but the last position you'd look at when we're talking about graceful performances is a centre back. When you think about the greatest centre backs that have played the game, you think about players like Fabio Cannavaro, Puyol. You think about you know on his day when he was playing for Real Madrid, Sergio Ramos, Gerard Piquet, who's just recently retired, Rio Ferdinand, John Terry. These are the players that will give you some, you know, if you want it. Whereas William Saliba is that little quiet 21-year-old French boy who's just playing in the Premier League for fun, making it look way too easy. So I, I do feel bad for the others around him because it, it under they, they're left in the shadows. Like Ben White today, I think, had one of the best performances of his career. I'll take it that far. He was so good. Um, who else was there? Gabriel got the goal. You know, no one's going to remember him for that game, even though he got that goal and he put in a very, very good defensive performance. And mm-hmm. um, Zinchenko, first game back, did really well technically, was, you know, pivotal in uh, counter-attacking situations. Tierney came on and was excellent. But no one's going to remember these guys because um, William Saliva was just immense. Do you, do you think he signs a, a, a new contract? Absolutely. Why do you think it's taking so long? I really expected this to be wrapped up by now. And and what what I'm what I fear about Sal- this Saliba situation is that he is using Arsenal as a pedestal for Real Madrid and Barcelona. And people are going to hate me for saying that, but um, I just feel like everything that's happened up until this point, with you know not being able to play the cup final with Saint Etienne. Um, not being given a look in by Arteta when he first came in, being sent out on loan. Now he's but back to prove a point. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's justified all those loan spells and the the the, the rest of it because now he's he's we're, we're reaping the rewards of that. Um, those loan spells and then that that uh, France award that Player of the Year. Um, you know, so now he's come in and put his put his head down. Loves 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 the football. He's, loves the football he's playing, and hopefully he does sign that contract. Yeah, I mean, I really hope it's sooner than later because I fear that he goes to the World Cup, he wins the World Cup with France and he puts in several very, very important performances against big, big sides and then his stock is sky high and then he's only left with a year or two on his contract. Um, So hopefully Arsenal can get that done as soon as possible because I'd hate to be in a position where we're talking about William Saliba leaving the club. I want to see him there for at least 10 years, um, which is a big ask, I know. But if he's there, I do genuinely believe if anything else, if everything else goes wrong and William Saliba is there, I think Arsenal will still be up there. 
they will still continue to push out really, really good performances and will still challenge for trophies um, season in, season out. Because, you know, he's made us look so good at the back. And actually, we've kept, we've, we, we kept yet again another clean sheet. Um, let's have a look at all the results so far. So against Chelsea, we kept a clean, clean sheet. I'm, I'm just talking about Premier League games, okay? Not Europa League games. Chelsea, we kept a clean sheet. Nottingham Forest, we kept a clean sheet. <coughs> Um, Leeds, we kept a clean sheet. And then Brentford kept a clean sheet. Um, Bournemouth kept a clean sheet. Palace kept a clean sheet. Six clean sheets out of... How many games have we played? Out of... Say that again. 13. Six out of 13. That is... um, We actually played 13 games. Yeah, we play 13 games. Huh. Six out of 13 is about 40%, right? More or less, 42, give or take, whatever it is. That is an incredible amount of clean sheets. And you will have to point your finger at William Saliba for those clean sheets. I think, anyway. You know? So, yeah. Another another three points for the Arsenal. Uh yeah flying high our goal difference is as well catching up we're seven behind cities so Mm -hmm. you know it's not as if these are lucky victories these are victories that we're scrimping and saving on we've got a goal difference of 20 the other the only other team um that are behind us and city are newcastle with 17 and they've scored a shit ton of goals as well because of a certain uh miguel almiron but everyone else, the next the next team after that is Spurs with nine. Everyone else is on nine. Liverpool are on nine. The majority are on minus. You know, yeah. Fulham in ninth yeah. have minus one. United, you know, in fifth are on minus one. So, and 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 I do mention goal difference because I think it may potentially come down to goal difference. Um, but let's talk about some post match sort of facts or give up yeah. thoughts and um I just have a tweet and I've deleted it. Oh no <laughs> swaying swaying away from the Chelsea game because that is now history. We now look forward to Molyneux. But before that we play Brighton um the Carabao Cup. I will yeah. I will I will just um put that to the side for now because Molyneux is never an easy place. But if Arsenal win Against Wolves, we are yeah. we finish the first third of the season at the top. Yeah, it's it's a brilliant place to be um, if we can get it over the line. Um, but who knows? <laughs> who knows? Take one game. Take one game at a time, and then we'll see where we are. City have Brentford at home. I don't see that being much of an issue. I want to look no. a little bit into the future at games post World Cup. I haven't done this yet. I haven't oh, looked at the future list. Difficult one. Because obviously so much depends on what happens in the World Cup, who shines, who doesn't, mm-hmm. um, who comes home early, who goes all the way through to the finals or the latter stages of the competition. So many factors. But the next five games after Wolves are. West Ham United, Brighton, Win. Hove, Albion, Win. Newcastle, Spurs, United. 
Those are five very, very, very tricky games. Yeah. Um, very tricky. Especially um, in the last three, Newcastle, Spurs, and United. Yeah, Newcastle is going to be a tricky one because they're, they're going to be... They're gonna be right up for it. I imagine. I imagine the City game, which needs to be still rescheduled, will be rescheduled. Will probably be sandwiched in between um, Newcastle and Spurs because the Newcastle game is on January the third, and the Spurs game is on January the fourteenth. So there's almost a two week, like a week and a half break between those two games. So it could well be Newcastle City. Spurs and United. Mm-hmm. And you know, yeah. we're 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 in we're in great company. You know, um, I just pray that this World Cup being in December and being as oh, actually, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna mention it because we are we are on a podcast. And I don't want to bring politics politics into this. No, 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 no. Be- feel free, feel free. Well, you know, as as corrupt as it has been, this World Cup. You know, it, it's very, it's very odd. It, it does make me wonder why, why are we playing in December? Why are we, well, if, you know, we if we were playing in any other time of the year, <laughs> the players wouldn't survive because of the heat. Oh, uh, well, yeah, I know. But why are we, you know, why, why are we playing in guitar for, uh, guitar for one? Yeah, it, it, it doesn't, you know, I feel like this World Cup has had no build up whatsoever. So in a few weeks, we're just going to be start playing games and no one will care. But I, yeah. I, I, I probably won't watch. I probably won't watch them all. You know, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not up for the World Cup like in previous years. You know, it's. it's I just don't know what what it is this 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 year. It's mm. just weird. And if and if and if players come back with injuries, then people are going to have a lot to answer for. Well, that's another thing that we've we've done really <laughs> well to avoid is the injuries. Like yeah. we've we've survived. I mean, we've survived the worst possible scenario of having players like Jesus and Saliba out we've we've had a few niggling injury problems with um you know Tierney and and Zinchenko you know Mil Smith Rowe is still out but he's, he's scheduled to come back in December um but the good thing is that um you know we've we, we've got Wolves to play and then after that we don't need to worry about Premier League no more and then we can assess and then January comes around the corner as well so now things are looking really interesting because, you know, I, I, I've been hearing whispers that if Arsenal are in the position that they are now come the end of this period of the season, in post-World Cup or pre-World Cup, sorry, then the club are going to be preparing for something quite spectacular in January. And they have to. Surely they have to, right? If you're in a position where you're first and you're going into... You know, you got four more games after Wolves. You got four more games. You win those four games, or, or after those four games, you're still first, second, there or thereabouts. You're at the midway point in the season. You have to seriously then start considering challenging, right? Yeah, I think I think if we if we win those next four games after January, then because then we'll be top at Christmas, and when you're top at Christmas, you're normally. You know, well, no, I just, I just think if we're top or if we're there or thereabouts, um, come after eighteen games, because after eighteen games, that's the midway point. So eighteen games would be Wolves, West Ham, 
Brighton. So we played 13 now, 14, 15, 16, Newcastle and Spurs. So after the North London derby at Shite Heart Lane, if we win that, then I think you'd have to seriously consider our title contenders. Yeah. And actually, you know, I was having a conversation with, uh, again, my uncle. Um, we often just, we, that's the only times we ever talk, actually, is often after the games uh, on on the group chat. And he was he was saying that <coughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't seem like City have looked weaker this season. I was making the point, well, actually, City are weaker this season. And mark my words, their their time is yet to come. Um, <coughs> they They seem quite short when it comes to numbers. Aside from Phil Foden, and Haaland, and maybe you could make the case for, um, what's his face, De Bruyne. Aside from those three, it has been a very, very fragile city. I think they're, they're a little bit complacent and maybe they're feeling a little bit... Um, I had to ask my wife to help me to find, figure out this word. Now I'm going to have to scroll up on the group chat to see what the what word, word is. Um, when someone feels like they are they should be winning or they deserve to be winning it. Um, grateful? No, 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 no. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I want to find this word. I know exactly what word it is. It's on the tip of my tongue. It's just forthcoming? No, 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 no. Oh, I'm almost there, I'm almost there. Entitled, that's the word. Entitled? Yeah, entitled. So I, I think, right, my case study, having watched City this season, is that compared to the last few seasons, they are complacent and they are entitled. They feel a sense of entitlement because they've won the Premier League for the last two seasons, because they're playing under Pep Guardiola, because everybody looks at him as the godfather of football. Somehow, um, you know, Grandad Pep is going to pull out his magic wand and he's going to get City to win every game that they need to win. And maybe, you know, after they, they beat Fulham 2-1, having been... Uh, down, you know, 10 men for, you know, a large part of that game. Maybe they do feel like that now, but that is not a safe place to be. That is never a safe place to be. And so, mark my words, I've, I've said this throughout the season. I said this before the season started. I made the case that Liverpool will struggle. They're struggling big time. I made the case that City will struggle. They'll still be there, there or thereabouts, but they will struggle because they got rid of a lot of heavy hitters in Raheem Sterling. In Gabriel Jesus, um, they, they they fail to sort out their centre-backs situations. They're looking very, very spare <coughs> come the middle of the pitch as well. I think they will struggle. And when that happens, Arsenal need to be there to pick up the Arsenal pieces. Arsenal need to take advantage, yeah. So that is, that is what I think anyway. And, and that's why I'm so confident that Arsenal, having started the season the way that they did, they are in the strongest possible position to call themselves yeah. title contenders. Yeah. And they have to feel it. They have to, they have to look at the situation around them, see what's happening in other clubs, see what's happening with, um, you know, players and injuries and managers and look at themselves and be like, we are, I mean, the only, the only other time they were in a situation like this was when Leicester won the Premier League. They shouldn't have won yeah. the Premier League, but they did. Arsenal should have won the league that season, but they didn't. They let Leicester steal it away from them. And actually, I think Leicester did deserve it because they were just incredible throughout the whole course of that season. But I do see something similar happening with this Arsenal squad in the sense that this is a completely new generation of kids coming through. They've watched, 
you know, the shenanigans um, post-2006. You know, the last few years of Wenger's reign weren't pretty at all. Unai Emery was a massive failure, but we needed that failure to happen to pave way for Mikel Arteta. Came yeah, he managed a small club before, last time he was in Premier League, apparently. Oh, is that what you said? Have you not seen that? No, I've seen, I've seen I, I managed a small club, a, a small side with no Champions League titles. Oh dear. Well, look, we don't, again, someone else we don't really need to think about until we face them. But, um, oh, oh I love it. Oh, did I you see it. the stat? Did you see Mikel Arteta's stat? Right, uh, of the 150 after 150 games in charge, um, compared to all the other managers that have managed Arsenal, he's got 87 victories. With Wenger coming second place with 82, he, he's, he's the man. Um, he yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's fucking ridiculous how well he's done and how still we are second guessing him. Uh, well, you know, people that doubted me and called me. Uh, Arteta's son, where are you now? <laughs> where are you now? Uh, Mate, I, I, I can't tell you. I honestly can't tell you how thrilled I am to just see us playing incredible football. Yeah, it's, you know? it's brilliant. It's really? brilliant. And, you know, long may, long may it continue, man. Yeah. Uh, and it's good to be on the podcast again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It it's, is. Uh, it is. It's, it's um I enjoyed the last time I was on it when we did what what game was it again? Uh, it might have been yeah, yeah I think it was yeah but it's it's good to be back it's good to be back uh, back and um hopefully we can do it again when when everybody else is on to uh, do some more yeah yeah and I think we should probably leave it there because um Arsenal are <coughs> on their way to the Carabao <coughs> Cup which is the next yep. game. Uh, at home to Brighton Albion. Yes, yes, yes. I will be at the game, so I don't think I'll be able to record a pod until the next day, which is fine. You know, you guys will get something soon. Um, It will come out. So, um, yeah, I want to say a massive thank you as well, as always, to all our listeners. Thank you very much for listening in. If you did enjoy this episode, please do give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe as well to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Let us know what you think or what you thought of this episode by reaching out to us on Twitter. You can find us over there uh, by searching us at Ask Therapy Pod. You can also follow myself and James. You can find me over there at Gunner Since 96, and you can find James over there at James Payne AFC. Uh, we will be back, of course, as always, following that Brighton and Hove um, game, which is next. Well, it's, it's in a few days, actually, isn't it? It's on a Wednesday, Wednesday evening, mm-hmm. and hopefully, you know, um, much needed break from the Premier League with new faces, maybe a similar side to the squad that we saw face Zurich. Yeah. yeah, in the Europa League. So that'd be uh, that'd be a tasty affair as well. Uh, it won't be, you know, it won't be it won't be an easy game. Um by no stretch of the imagination. So, you know, uh, and again, a, a tournament we should be taking seriously, I feel, um, because silverware, silverware is what Arsenal should be striving for in 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 whatever capacity they can get. Um, but yeah, we'll leave it there uh, and we'll see you as always on the next one. Take care of yourselves. Have yourselves a very good week. We'll see you soon. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank you.